Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. So how will Tom Brady fare in the Bucks offense under Bruce Arians? And is this Tampa Bay team as good as Brady hopes it is? And is there a starting job still out there in the NFL for Jameis Winston? If so, where? We'll get into all those questions and talk a little NFL draft as well with our friend Trevor Sigma of the Draft Network on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times along with producer Steve Versnick. Hey, folks, uh, just quickly now, if you like all the Bucks and Tom Brady coverage in the Tampa Bay Times, we've got a special offer for you. You can subscribe to the digital edition of the Tampa Bay Times online for just $3 for the first three months. That's right, $3 for the first three months, and then $7.75 a month after that. You can't beat it. Now, you get to read the Tampa Bay Times seven days a week online, and all you have to do is enter this code, TB12, like Tom Brady, TB12, and you'll get the digital edition of Tampa Bay Times online for just $3 the first three months and $7.75 a month after that. All right, my good friend uh, Trevor Sigma joins us now from the Draft Network. Of course, you heard him a lot on uh, DAE, worked for Pewter Report, and uh, shared the press room. Unfortunately, uh, he had to share it with me for years and years over at uh, at One Buck Place. But uh, Trevor joins us now. Trev, first and foremost, I, I, I just got to catch up with you a little bit here because uh, you had planned this move uh, to Carolina. Of course, uh, uh, your girlfriend, Alyssa Lang, is with ESPN. I don't know if that had something to do with it, but uh, regardless – uh, you're 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 doing terrific work with uh, the Draft Network now, but but tell me, uh, what was has how has the move to Charlotte been for you and and your timing? Uh, probably probably a little lacking in that Brady came shortly after that. You could say that um, uh, Alyssa did have let's say everything to do with the move, and so we <laughs> I'd be doing long distance for a while, and uh, decided that living in the same city was probably uh, better for the yeah. long term of our relationship, which I would agree, but it is hilarious. That, um, you know, I covered the Bucks for three years with Peter Report full time and uh, coming from just south of Tampa, I'd followed the Bucks my entire life. Right. And uh, I remember when they were good when I was a lot younger, but for the majority of you know, like when I was in high school and college, even afterwards, uh, you know, they're reminiscent of the yucking years more than the Super Bowl era. And so. Uh, the second I leave town, a couple months later, Tom Brady comes to town. So y'all are welcome. I guess I was the curse. Um, I guess I was the cursed reporter. That was lifted when I left. But the move was great. Very different up here with the weather. Um, it's a nice mix, although I will say, being a Florida boy, being from Florida my entire life, the first day that I was here, like officially moved in, waking up in my bed as a North Carolina or Charlotte resident, uh, it snowed the next morning. So that was about as, as, as different as it could possibly be. But the move's been great. It's been exciting to watch everything going down in Tampa Bay. I'm so excited for, for y'all that are still down there because, as you and I were talking about before we hit the record button, the Brady bump has been very real, and it's been awesome to mm-hmm. watch. It has been. And, and, I mean, just just going back to that because, I mean, you're you're in the business of, of, of following these teams closely, and, and of course, you – Witness the the five seasons with Jameis Winston. Um, we we kind of caught wind, I think, and, and you probably picked up on this, I think, during the year too. That 
there came a point where I just think that, that Bruce Arians decided he needed to move on. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you there. There, there definitely came a point, and you know, we had heard so much when Bruce was brought on that one of the big reasons why he came out of retirement and especially specifically to the Bucks, was because they already had that quarterback that he didn't have to deal with going to a team with a head coaching vacancy that also didn't have a quarterback because that's often what happens, right? I mean, we know it's a quarterback driven league. And so the teams that aren't good are often the teams that don't have good quarterback play. So a lot of times those things are a one in one relation. So for Bruce Arians to be able to come back to Tampa Bay, he was it was reported that he said, you know, I don't have to pick a quarterback. I've got Jameis Winston. I can work with him. And I really do think that in the early parts of what was going on, that faith was there. I don't think that that was a lie. You know, obviously, the good weather in Tampa Bay, the situation of, of him whenever he does retire, already being down here, him having a good relationship with Jason Light, the GM, all those things went into it. But I don't think it was super fabricated that they said that they liked Winston and they liked that he was there. I think that there was something to that and with him already being established. And I think that they worked with him for about as long as they could handle. But, man, he, he's just such a streaky quarterback. And I, I don't know that even a no-risk-it-no-biscuit kind of a guy like Bruce Arians realized that you cannot have this much variance at the quarterback position. And – I think you and I talked about this even a little bit. With Winston, you've got to understand the highs and the lows, right? I mean, that's the debate that's been going on for the last three years. But here's the thing. The team is trying to compete for a Super Bowl championship. In order to do that, you either have to win four or three games in a row against playoff caliber teams that only get better and better the further you go. Could I convince mm. myself that Jameis Winston could win enough regular season games to make it to the playoffs? Yes, I do think that that is possible. I could even tell you that he might even win a playoff game or two. But could I honestly have sat here and told you that Jameis Winston, as we know him, could have won three or four games in a row against playoff caliber teams? No. And I think that mm. that's the big area of where Bruce Arians had to kind of sit down and be honest with the Jameis evaluation in November and December knowing where he wanted to go and knowing what Jameis Winston was. You know, you, you do some unbelievable film study and, and you did that, um, you know, both for the draft network and also when you were at Pewter Report with respect to, uh, to, to, to the offenses for years. But, but in, in particular, last year you did one that I thought was really interesting um, and, and talking about Arians and sort of, you know, the, the the forcing the ball or wanting to to push the ball down the field, uh, getting you know five guys eligible most downs, leaving the quarterback exposed a lot to where he has to be his best protector, and that there were sort of an absence of easy throws. I mean, he always likes to talk about money in the bank, but frankly, that's really not what Jameis did very often. And uh, so when you look at when you look at Jameis and you say, well, five thousand one hundred nine yards, thirty three touchdowns, that's a lot of playmaking. And of course, we know about the thirty interceptions and the five lost fumbles. You can't take that away, but but how much of that was sort of on the design? How much of that is on Winston? Could they have done more to help the guy, or or is he just a guy that's that doesn't have the quick twitch decision making to you know to to check the ball down at the right time or throw the hitch on time or whatever it is that's that's prevented him um, from from not turning the ball over? You know, it's an interesting 
interesting question because I was also doing these film reviews and these kind of in-depth breakdowns as much as I could, right? I mean, we, we definitely don't understand everything that's going on. We don't understand sure. everything in the play, even with all 22. Sometimes things can get muddy and what actually was supposed to happen versus what happened. And so you never have a complete clear picture unless you're the coordinator themselves or a guy on the headset. But to this question... This is something that I also brought up with Dirk Cutter, right? I mean, Dirk Cutter's offense was very vertical. Everything was going deep down the field. There were extensive drops. There were It was very demanding of the quarterback. It was a lot of stuff to the sideline or over the middle or deep down the field. Mm-hmm. Some of the toughest throws in the game is what Dirk Cutter was demanding of Jameis Winston all the time. And so I even wrote back then, where are the easy throws? The yards are mm-hmm. there. The points are there. But the wins are not because the efficiency is not there in the offense. Now, Bruce comes in. He is also another vertical guy, but Bruce is also a very, very smart coach. He's not a stubborn guy. It's not like Bruce would just sit here and go, yeah, we're going to push the ball down the field no matter what. Like, I'm not going to give you easy throws. I think if there were easier throws to be made or if Jameis could operate under a more efficient offense, he would have leaned that way. But I think the real tipping point came when Jay, when when Bruce probably tried to change what he him and Byron left, which the offensive coordinator were doing, maybe toning down the offense a little bit, maybe getting it to a different receiver, maybe opening up different kinds of reads. And Jameis still was not able to operate underneath it because maybe that's just not the kind of quarterback he is. And so, you know, throughout the season – we would see these these vertical concepts where, look, when you are on this team, you're going to have to push the ball down the field. That is the nature of the offense. But with Brady, I think it's going to be different because a lot of fans point to Winston and his stats and go, you would not have the points per game without Winston doing what he is doing. And I don't think that's entirely true. I certainly don't think that it's fall. I'm not going to come out and say that it's downright false, but taking care of the football and being more efficient, even if that means you have less yards, even if that means you have um, smaller drives, I think it means you yield more points. And I think the Bucks are hopefully going to figure that out this year. At least that's what their goal was bringing Brady in is that maybe the yards won't be as much. Heck, maybe the passing touchdowns won't even be as much, but the efficiency, the controlling of the game, and still keeping the points high will be at a level to where they can truly be a complimentary football team like they were not able to be with Jameis Winston. Let me ask you this, and we'll, we'll certainly get into Tom Brady here here in a second, but um, why do you suppose that – and he's and, and look, Cam Newton's in this position too, maybe for another reason, but why do you suppose Jameis Winston is still out there without a football team? Man, I just – I don't know many teams that can trust him to be a starting quarterback. I don't. I, mm. I firmly believe that Tampa was the only spot that was going to have him as a starter. And it, it, it's weird because being in the Tampa media and even even talking with people within the Tampa fan base, they go back and forth all the time. With, with There's so much defense for Jameis Winston that you maybe sometimes fail to look outside of your own environment. And if they did and they were able to pause and look at the other teams and situations, we are finding out right now that there is not a hot, hot market for Jameis Winston. That true, that Tampa truly was the only place he was going to have a guaranteed starting job. There was no other team in the NFL that was going to do that. And you know what? That's a sign. 
that's not a good sign either. And so I, I've got to think that it's simply because teams right now with the draft coming up and everything like that, if they have a hole on their team, they're going to want to fill it with a draft guy first and see where Winston might fit into it next. But as of right now, the belief for him to be a starting quarterback or at least even like going into camp as the number one, that doesn't exist. Not for even the teams that are looking to upgrade at the quarterback position. They would rather sit here and wait for the draft to roll around to see who they can get their hands on. And I think I think that's really telling of it is, is, is Winston and his turnovers were a lot more of a negative in terms of a mindset for coaches than I think most people in Tampa were willing to admit just because we lived in our bubble for so long that this guy was the starting quarterback no matter what. You, you had to live with the good and the bad when in reality, no other team in the NFL would have lived with it. And I think that that's kind of something that we're seeing unfold right now. It's really surprising because in, in this sense that you had a guy um, in New Orleans, right, that backed up Drew Brees and played uh, five games last year, went 5-0 and um, in Teddy Bridgewater, who, who gets a you know, $20 million a year contract from the Carolina Panthers uh, you know, that are starting a new program. Now he's only 27. He's had a history of injuries, especially with the knee. Um, but, but he suddenly not just – you know, a little bit, but vaults above Jameis Winston as an option because had Tom Brady not come to Tampa Bay, that's where Bruce Arians was headed next. Yeah, and and we've, we've heard that before, and I just think it goes back to if you turn the ball over, you know, we you and I have heard this phrase so many times yeah, uh, over yeah. the last couple of years, coaches just won't trust you. And, and Dirk Hutter said it a million times, and um, Todd Munkin said it a million times, Bruce Arians said it a million times, you know, Byron Leftwich was, I think, a little bit nicer about it because he tried to be, but that's what it was. If you turn the ball over at that rate, I mean, look at just the interceptions alone. He was he he led the league by a mile. And a lot of these interceptions were sometimes on throws that turn into pick sixes. You know, and that's mm. that's the stuff that I think teams are not willing to bet on. Throwing the ball deep, getting it intercepted, giving your guys a chance, I think there's all something to that. But there were so many times, even when I was going down and doing my film review on Winston's 30 interceptions, there's a handful of them that you just go, you can't make this throw. And a couple of them were the pick sixes that ended up biting this team really, really hard. And it's just like, you are hurting this team even beyond the one in one turnover. And and that's I, I think that five years in, and you know, it's Jameis is such an interesting study when it comes to perception. And I've kind of talked about this a little bit, but think about the first time that we really saw Jameis Winston in the game of football. He was a redshirt freshman at Florida State, right? Came out, um, I think it was on Thursday night football and just absolutely lit. I think it was Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, yeah. Four- four touchdowns and 400 yards, right? And that was the first moment we saw Jameis Winston. He went on to have a Heisman Trophy national championship winning year where Florida State Mm -hmm. didn't lose a single game. He threw 40 touchdowns and 10 interceptions. Jameis has never had any year close to that in terms of Mm -hmm. efficiency, output, and being able to put his team in a spot to compete for a championship. Never. He hasn't. But it's so fascinating because that is what we first saw of Jameis Winston. And we know that first impressions in so many areas of life are everything. And I just wonder, even if 
I wonder if his redshirt sophomore year and his redshirt freshman year, if they were flipped, how long would the Bucks have held on to Jameis Winston? I don't know, but I think it's a fascinating psychological study on what could have happened because the first impression that we had of him was a quarterback who could t- take chances, had a big arm, could lead a team to a championship, and could stay efficient. And he never was that again. That was the outlier year, but it was also the first thing that we saw of him. And so that's why I think it had a lot of belief into people's minds of what he could be. Oh, he could always be this. He could always turn back into this just because it was the first impression that we remember so much. And I think we're seeing now that teams aren't willing to bet on it anymore. Enough time has been removed from that season that people now have a good enough sample size to know that was not regular Jameis Winston. And instead, we're getting the regular Jameis Winston now. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Let me ask you this, and we'll wrap up on Jameis at least. I, I, I think that... Uh, you know, after the draft, we'll have a better indication of, of where or what his future may hold. Do, uh, look, Tampa Bay has a history, even before you were born, of, of kicking quarterbacks to the curb and them having a second act and, and many of them winding up in the Super Bowl, if not the Pro Football Hall of Fame in the case of Steve Young. Does does this guy redeem himself? Does he, does he still make something of his career? Do you think he plays a long time? Or uh, if he gets his chance and he remains to be the guy that turns the ball over, could could this career be cut incredibly short? Both of those are options, right? I mean, that's the yeah. how volatile the situation is with Jameis Winston. And, and, you know, when you look at what he can do, you certainly think that if you get a guy who can really get through to him, can build an offense mm-hmm. that's a lot more efficient around him, that allows him to mm-hmm. not throw as many turnovers, maybe not be his own worst enemy, if you will, then you could yeah. certainly see a career where he's at least a good starter for a couple more years, makes a decent NFL career out of it. But I'm telling you, mm-hmm. if he throws anywhere close to the interception ratio that he had last year, he mm-hmm. won't be around long. He just won't. We're already seeing right now that he sits unsigned. If he goes to another team and another experiment with a different head coach and has the same results, he won't play. He won't. They won't. They will not take a chance on him because it's too easy to get a backup. You know, and and here's the thing about Winston, too. Because of his reputation, because of him being a national championship winner and a Heisman Trophy winner and a number one overall pick, you've got to think about this, too. Jameis Winston is not just your average backup quarterback. If you have Jameis Winston as your backup quarterback, you will always have people who will be ready to go out and say, why isn't he playing? Put him over the bum that's starting above him. You know, like whether it's a rookie, a young guy, a veteran, whatever it is, it's almost like yeah. that Ryan Fitzpatrick effect, you know, where he comes yeah. in as a backup. And if the if the starting quarterback is struggling at all, you've got people out there who are calling for Ryan Fitzpatrick. Some teams don't want that. Some teams will not want 
that kind of situation in their quarterback room. And that's what mm-hmm. you get with Jameis Winston, I think, no matter what for the rest of his career. And so there's a lot that goes into why he might not be signed right now and how tricky this might be for him moving forward. Because if Jameis Winston isn't your starter, I don't think he can be a backup. I don't, I don't, I don't know if any team's ever going to be okay with that. So that puts him in a very interesting situation. And where he goes next will tell the tale of how his career plays out. That's a fascinating point that that I've not heard people make is that, you know, you got to worry about the room and, and um, it's one thing to back up a wobbly starter, but if that's a young kid, do you want that as, you know, as a guy that's being pressured to play and, and, and so on. Um, Yeah. Really, really interesting stuff. Okay. Let me ask you, uh, you know, with respect to Tom Brady uh, only because, I mean, look, he's the goat 43 years old. He's a freak in the sense that he's still playing at any level, much less a, a Super Bowl level or a year removed from it, um, and, and that he's going to change teams now. Everything changes with him, right? Everything he's known, Belichick, the offense, um, the players that, that at some point he'll have to try to learn uh, to play with. First off, when you watch Brady, how good of a quarterback is he right now in terms of his skills? Yeah, I really did not think that Brady's arm was nearly as bad as people said that it was like the narrative right. when I went back and and I haven't I haven't watched a ton of film on him, but certainly right. even just from being an outside observer, watching Brady mm-hmm. from last year's game and then uh watching the, the playoffs as well, his arm was fine. I mean, like his arm is is fine to make the throws needed to make. Uh, in this offense, is he going to have the zip of maybe a Jameis or a you know the Aaron Rodgers and and uh, Kyler Murray's those guys with the with the great arms in the NFL? No, he's probably not going to have that kind of zip. But you got to understand that his anticipation, his knowledge of the offense, and his chemistry with wide receivers, you can make up for a lot of that if you're good enough in oh, that yeah. area. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, look at Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow even says himself, I'm not the biggest guy. I don't have the biggest hands. I don't have the biggest arm. But what I do is I, I prepare better than anybody else. And yes. uh, I, I've, I've got better chemistry with my wide receivers. And I know what's going to happen so I can place the ball where it needs to go when it needs to be there, even without the strongest arm. That's Brady. And so even though he, you can't outrun time forever and what Tom Brady has been able to do, man, still be playing at this point is absolutely incredible. I don't know when the hard drop-off is going to come. It's going to come at some point. All I know is that last year he was not as bad as people were saying with the arm strength. He's really, it's not like he's got this noodle armor. He certainly did not last year. And so if he says that he's still got some left in the tank, and, I, you know, there's, there's the revenge factor that comes into it, maybe sticking it to Belichick a little bit, but I don't think Tom Brady – would be sticking around if he couldn't play at the level he wanted to play at. And at some point that's going to come to a head and he's going to have to face that. But, you know, if Tom if Tom was done, he wouldn't be sticking around. And so I've got to think that at least it's going to be close to what it was last year. And honestly, last year wasn't that bad at all. Yeah, no, I, I think there was definitely a situation in New England uh, and he had this many years, but that, you know, uh, receivers could not get separation um, you know, it was difficult to throw the ball down the field. Um, and, and, you know, he throws it accurately, but how many shots did he really take? He comes to a team though, um, you know, without Rashard Perryman. Uh, so there's a need there, right. For, for maybe another guy to stretch the field besides a Scotty Miller or somebody, um, <clears throat> with two pro bowl receivers, but they get it done in a different way. And I'm wondering, um, you know, you take, you take Godwin and you take Mike Evans, and 
and sprinkle in an O.J. Howard and Cam Brate back. Who knows if, if Gronkowski shows up one day. But as it's constituted <laughs> right now, how good how good is this cast around him? And you will get into the draft, obviously, which is why we wanted to talk to you first and foremost. But as it stands right now, how, how what what kind of help will he have versus what he had in New England? Yeah, I think that certainly from a diversity or depth standpoint, this is the best he's ever had in his career. I don't think that anybody mm. can argue that. I really don't. Now, if you want to talk peaks, you know, he played with Randy Moss. He played with, with yeah. Rob Gronkowski. You know, those are two yeah. of the best players who have ever played at their position. And so I think that from a peak standpoint, you know, OJ's not Gronkowski. You know, Cambridge's not Gronkowski. Um, and I think that even, you know, the biggest fans of Mike Evans would say, you know, Mike Evans probably isn't Randy Moss, but... The thing mm-hmm. is that in those years, he had to force feed a lot of what he did to those guys. Now it worked out because they were that good. Right. Now he doesn't have to, right? I mean, you're in an offense where I'm just naming four guys, and it's Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, O.J. Howard, and Cam Brate. And that alone right there, outside of the additions that they're probably going to make to a pass-catching running back and also to another third receiver, that's really, really good. And I think that how this is going to really help Brady the most is that as the game of football has evolved, I think the wide receiver position has really evolved with it because you look at a guy like Mike Evans and even a player like Chris Godwin as well, where, you know, even say five, six years ago, these are clearly just outside receivers. You know, they're the bigger guys. They can handle the outside roles. Mike plays the X. He can handle press coverage because of the length. And Godwin will play the flanker off the line of scrimmage. You can move him uh, in the pre-snap, but he's still more of an outside receiver. Now you got these guys playing all over. They're playing close towards the hash marks. They're playing in the slot towards the numbers. They're playing off on the line of scrimmage. They're playing in bunch formations, all kinds of stuff. The possibilities are endless. And I think that's really what is going to make the big difference in Tampa Bay is that you've got all of these different bodies, sure, playing different positions, but so many of them are interchangeable. You can put O.J. Howard on the outside. You can put him in the slot. You can put him in line. You can put Cam Brayton in the slot. You can play him outside. The same can be said with most, if not all, of the wide receivers that are going to be coming in there. And I think the combination of what they can do and where they place these already well-established and good receiving options on the team makes this the best receiver core he's ever had top to bottom. And I think the additions aren't done yet, but I think that that's the part that's going to make this easier than it would be, say, if it happened a couple of years ago, is that there's so much creativity on what to do with an offense that, you know, when we were talking before, Bruce Arians' offense is vertical, right? I mean, you're going to have to hit the vertical shots. You've got to have that element with the play action involved, but don't think that this is just going to be Tom Brady being plopped into the same game plan that was built for James Winston last year. It's not. It's going to be a marriage of what Arians wants to do and his philosophy, but also some of the things that Brady has picked up over the years. Brady's going to bring in his favorite plays. You better believe it. He's going to teach Cam Brady how to run some of those. You know, he's going to teach Chris mm-hmm. Godwin how to be Julian Edelman. He's going to do things like that, and they're going to combine a lot of what they've seen over the last 20 years of being coaches into a game plan that allows efficiency yet taking chances to live. And I think that having the right receiving core there allows that to be possible, and that's what they've got in Tampa. As it's constituted right now, and, and we'll, we'll talk about the draft here in just a minute, uh, but as, as they're constituted right now, and you know the NFC South as well as anyone, um, 
when you think about New Orleans, uh, Atlanta, and, and of course w- what they're trying to do in Carolina now, how good is this football team without adding anything? In other words, we know they need a right tackle, and we can discuss that. But in general, are we are people getting out in front of their skis because Tom Brady is here, um, or or is are they are they just a an accurate quarterback away? from taking off, even though they've re-signed guys like Jason Pierre-Paul, who's in his 30s, and Dom Kansu, who's 33, hoping that Shaq Barrett can be even a fraction of what he was when he led the NFL in, in sacks. I mean, you know, they still could use a safety. There are – I see I see holes. Maybe it's just me, but I, I don't know that that they're ready to just hand them, you know, the championship trophy. No, I think there's a long way to go. Certainly the quarterback position holds the most weight. And when you get the best who's ever done it, 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 it helps. Look, it you changes know? So, the picture, yeah. yeah. Right, so it, it helps you out, and it, it certainly changes the picture there. Like you said, I mean, the Saints are the favorite for the division. And I mean, at yeah. this point, when we're talking here, if, if anybody yeah. is not saying that, I mean, they're fooling themselves. The Saints have the yeah. best roster in the NFC South, and I don't think it's close. Now, do the yeah. Bucks have the talent to compete with them? Yeah, I think that mm-hmm. they do, certainly. I think the Bucs are, are pretty firmly the second best team in the NFC South. You know, they, they've got a young defense with them. There is more experience under Atlanta. I think Dan Quinn has uh, been down the stretch and, and knows how to lead a team, both when it's going good and going bad. So you got to take that into account as well. But I would say that this is the second best team in the, in the NFC South. Uh, you got to still give it to New Orleans, but I think the roster is good. And I think the important part of the roster is also that it's trending in the right direction with almost all of them, right? I mean, this defense was young, and it took them a while to figure it out last year, but they knew that that would be their lumps. They still were able to end up finishing the season 7-9, and nine, and boy, if you take a couple of those games and you change the balance of the ball a little bit, maybe this team's 500 or better with such a young defensive group. So another year together, more additions, that's only going to make this this process a little bit better for for the defensive players, and then for the offense, obviously, you're, you're infusing one of the best to ever do it, and so I don't know. I mean, it all depends how far people are in front of their skis, if you will, what they're expecting of this team. But if you're asking me, is it unrealistic to think they'd make the playoffs as a wild card? No. And I think that, that should be the goal. I think that this should be, look, for for the next two years, they've got Tom Brady for two years, right? They might have him for an extra th- three. We'll see how the next couple of years go, if he ends up having a drop-off in production or if they're really close to making a Super Bowl berth or something like that. But um, it's got to be playoffs every year. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And I think they're trending in the right directions to make that possible. Does Drew Brees with Sean Payton, and as much as he knows that offense, his skills, I think, have diminished quite a bit. This looks like this will be his last year. Is he still able to to to, uh, to get it done, you think? Yeah, I, I think – I think this is definitely Breeze's last year. Um, his now his arm did not look the same last year. He looked like no, he didn't. took a step back, just couldn't mm-hmm. do it as well as as we know Drew Breeze to do it. And it's very interesting because you know with Brady and Breeze, especially being in the same division right now, these two are neck and neck for the all time passing touchdown record. And right now mm. they're going back and forth with each other. I mean, there was a, there was a time last year where Brady got the reg, like Brady jumped in front of breeze and then breeze jumped in front of Brady. And so that's how close these guys are to the all time record. And as much as I think that breeze wants to win another Super Bowl, 
I also think that he doesn't want Brady to play another year where he's playing because he wants that <laughs> record just as bad. And so I think, man, that the sparks are going to fly. The points are going to fly, if you will. Sean Payton knows what Breeze can and can't do. Uh, even with him taking a step back, and he might take a little bit more of a step back this year, I still think the Saints are the favorite. It's all going to hang on what Breeze is able to do, though, if it's going to come down to them winning a title. But, shoot, I mean, you look at what Peyton Manning did when he won his – Peyton's best years for the Broncos were was not the year that they won the Super Bowl. You know, Correct. they just mm-hmm. needed the guy to get them there to orchestrate the offense and the talent they had in the team around him. I still think that Breeze has that ability. They just can't lean him as much as they used to. Yeah, like Peyton Manning, they're hoping that uh, Tom Brady changes the culture of this organization as well um, on both sides of the ball. Hey, as you know, the NFL draft is one week from tonight, and Trevor Sigma will be back to break down the draft and tell you who the Bucks will be targeting in the first and second rounds, as well as what to expect for some other players making headline in this draft at the quarterback position, like Joe Burrow and Tua Tagovailoa, Justin Herbert, and Jordan Love. So it's Trevor Sigma talking about the NFL draft from the NFL Draft Network, part two tomorrow on our edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. For Steve Versnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. 